Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, I'm Ed. And hey, you know, you hear the, the friendly voice of Ed back and, you know, actually post our, um, our, our, our time at uh, Rapid, which, man, I can tell you right now, I wish it didn't end. Um, it was just like a nerd's paradise, man. I'm telling you. You need like two more, two more full days. Yeah, exactly. We weren't going to make it to every booth. No, you need at least a full week to two, almost a week and a half to be able to enjoy that hundred yeah. percent. Um, you know, and I'm going to tell you right now, the conversation we had with you, Lindo, go check that out. Um, yeah. she is absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, she, the CEO with you, Lindo is, is amazing. Um, Understands technology. She likes to have fun. You know, she w- worked with us with our little glitches we had with the podcast and stuff like that. We were getting everything set up. And as you heard, it was actually on site. We did it right there um, in the VIP section of uh, the the rapid event. So, now... It's pretty exciting. I mean, it's not just just hearing about, you know, the roots of Ulendo and how it, how it became what it is. And, you know, even talking about it, it's, you know... It's groundbreaking uh, software for your vibration reduction on your printers, loaded right onto your controller. Um, you don't need a Raspberry Pi or an extra, con- uh, extra PC to you know help like you know you would with Clipper. So it's it's something that can solve the problem without you buying a hundred dollar Raspberry Pi. And if you're buying a hundred dollar Raspberry Pi, w- we need to talk. We could probably figure something else out that does the same thing. <laughs> That's yeah. not a hundred dollars. And the thing is, that all the all you need is an input shaper device. Uh, it's one that clips on your your hot end. So um, you know, there's a difference between input shaping and the Ulindo um, uh, software. Um, more importantly, the uh, the rounded edges versus squared edges um, is a big one, um, and it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, she goes but, into a lot of detail, and, and honestly, you should check their website out. We got a lot more in the last podcast yeah. uh, to to kind of harp on, but. Uh, they weren't the only ones there, right? So we oh yeah, definitely. And y'all go take a look. I put their link in the in the podcast notes um, last week, so y'all go check them out. Um, and the thing is, is that's also you'll notice something when it comes down to these company spotlights and stuff like that that we do with Ulindo. You're gonna start hearing more and more and more of those coming out. You're gonna hear us do interviews with some other bigger companies and some people you may want to listen to, you know, and get involved with, and you know, hear what they're gonna talk about. Maybe some people you've never heard about, and you know, go take a look at their products and stuff like that. But hopefully, you know, we'll cover some of that during this conversation because this, you know, is our hot wash. This is our our finale. Um, I don't think it'll ever be a finale to, to rapid, but it's definitely you know we can look at the technology all day long. But this is going to be the the wrap up from the show, what we thought, what we saw. Um, you know, I know Ed's got some questions on for us because I know he wasn't there with us. He didn't get the chance to travel. Um, you know, hopefully next year we'll drag him on with us to, to Cali, um, to Anaheim to, you know, go, go see the show. Most of y'all know we will be there next year. You've heard that. Let's, uh, let's tell the ladies in the window <clears throat> uh, that we will be on site next year. So we will be there. We are committed to it. Um, you know, a lot, of guys, a lot of people know that we will be there. And who knows? It doesn't have to just be rapid. There's a bunch of... Yeah, East Coast Rep Rap. There's a bunch of other, um, you know, conventions or exhibitions or whatever you want to call it where there's, um, you know, 3D printing involved, hobbyists, mm-hmm. industrial printing, metals, filaments, 
<clears throat> anything that you think you know would be interesting. So. Yeah, and you know we'll be at e- well, you know may- probably won't be at East Coast Rep Rap. Would like to be, but you know might make the weekend trip up there to. When is it? Um, late in uh, I think it's October in Maryland. I got some time. It's a weekend. It's a Saturday Sunday bad. event. Yeah, it's not that bad. But yeah, we uh, I guess we can get right into it. I mean, honestly, there's too many. There was you know almost 400 exhibitors. There's too much to talk about. So I mean, we could do this a couple ways. I'm thinking like Ed, you could you could ask a question. Okay. Anything, but I'd like to also uh, kind of compartmentalize and talk about a couple you know different realms thing things that I learned. Uh, you know, processes I didn't have any idea existed mm-hmm. um, or had any use. So there's a lot of things that I learned that I was like, oh, I guess we do need that. So when you expand, you need you be able to deal with that expansion, and, and with that expansion comes, you know, something as simple as packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a machine that's going to help you with your packaging and palletizing, um, or you can have someone do that, but if you have a machine doing it um, that's, you know, or, or feeding a a, or a robot, yeah, mm-hmm. it's feeding off your... Uh, um, you know, your inputs or whatever you're, you're spooling, you're making your own filament, you need to package it, right? So this is like a, a, a solution. So it, it kind of, to me, a lot of the situations seemed like, uh, um, you know, pitching to other in, um, industrial, like, companies saying, hey, this is our new machine, this is why our machine is better than the other machines, mm-hmm. or this is why my machine can help you, my robot can help you, my add-on can help you with whatever you're, whatever you're already doing, just make it quicker, faster, um, quality still maintained and, and, and things like that. I think whenever I listened to a lot of the exhibitors when they talked about it, like everybody was very knowledgeable. Oh, yeah. But the, the biggest thing that you know I heard in a lot of places was qu- quality um, coupled with the speed increase. It's like, and, and size, being able to mm-hmm. print and with, it, with a huge scale quickly with, with little to no defects. T- to me, I, I, I would even say, I mean, I guess you guys can, you know, chime in if you don't like or you don't agree i think it doesn't matter how big it matters the quality I agree because with that. if i print something huge and it's crap or small and it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like then it's useless no we we, we saw stuff at the show <clears throat> where when we say small they're having to look at it through a microscope to show you the detail that's in this print mm-hmm because it was what I weren't. It was a gear inside of a gear, and you had to use a like not even an eighth inch um, 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 Allen, key. Allen key to yeah. turn the gears. That's all that would fit inside the gear hole. Oh, and there was no resistance. She let me try it. I didn't feel, or he let me try it. I, I didn't feel the resistance of moving it. They had to look at it under a microscope to see the scale. It's, I mean, the company Nano Nano Dimension, I yeah, believe. Yeah, Nano Dimension was not. Like you guys, you guys should check them out. They had a press release. Um, and I'm not sure if it was the new resin or if it was the new uh, tabletop printer they have, but they're doing dental fixtures. They're doing. Um, like small scale, like the smallest scale that I think I saw at, at Rapid was at that booth. So, yeah. um, re- really impressive stuff because, you know, when you think industrial, you don't think about going industrially small and, and being still being precise. You think about bigger, better, faster, more, produce fast, produce as right. much as possible, you know? So, I mean, to me, that, that, that they're going in a different direction and their head is in the right, the, you know, pointing right. in the right direction. Um, so, 
I'm looking forward to big things from them. And then you have the then you have the speed guys, the in, um, uh, Impossible Prince. I'm gonna say there's a lot of speed um, guys. <laughs> but Impossible Prince, I think it was. Um, impossible objects. Impossible objects. Those guys. I'm, I'm telling you right now, twenty five layers. In what a minute? Well, no, no, no. So C Bam. Yeah. That their machine is C Bam, and I'm, and forgive me because I don't remember what C Bam stands for. Yeah, something additive, ma- something something additive. It's like by like belts so, that they lay down on top of it. Oh yeah, I'm not, I mean it might be. Convenient. It's like layers. Yeah. It's like la- so they lay layers. They print. So you know how your your standard printer uh, takes your G code and it takes time to print that f- first layer, right? Think about if if we have we combine a laser jet style with with three D printing, you print that that layer out quicker with a laser jet and it shoots like you you think about your printer in your office it's shooting those sheets out and you've got a big pile of whatever you wanted to print and it's warm still right so you you can do that with you know certain materials as well and it shoots out i it was it was a lot more i'm going to be honest mm. than 25 i think 25 was the model yeah i think, think it was so. 400 sheets 400 layers i know they were printing like 12 um, uh, or so of the drones mm-hmm. like in like just a couple minutes. Yeah, they, they released their new model. It's the first one pr- printed the one of those in, you know, three hours. It printed one, it put 400 layers down, and, and then the second step in that process, the removal, there is a bit of subtraction that happens. They sandblast it, but um, they get out the quote-unquote support, and, and they deal with just the, the, the main model. Um, and, and what they did when they put the new model out there, they took that three hour time window and it was 15 minutes that yeah. they were printing the same thing out at. And it's ridiculous. They couldn't turn it on. It would take too much power. Uh, it would probably shut the convention center down, <laughs> but the fact that they could make that in under three minutes or sorry, not three minutes and, uh, and much, much less than, than three hours, it's way over 300, way over four five, six hundred percent the speed of normal right. and it's the same quality. Crazy. So, so for me, I guess the question is, is <clears throat> what what is feasible and what's not feasible? So it sounds like we have a lot of things that are, I would say, when you do science fact, science fiction, we still have a lot of things still in science fiction. Because science fact, when we're talking about a manufacturing process, mm-hmm. we can't deal in three hours. Mm-hmm. We have to deal in seconds. Mm-hmm. So I guess from my point of view in a way I would pose questions to you guys. Who is getting close to getting to a factory floor? Who is producing things? They already have factories. No, no. When I say factory floor, who is getting to a point where they can produce cars? Who is getting to the ah, point okay. they can pl- produce parts that go in a car? Mm-hmm. Who is getting to a point that they can produce things that can be done at the same speed? And it's just a question. At the same speed as plastic injection molding. Who, who is at that boundary? Who is coming up with that technology? Because those are the things that makes additive manufacturing go to the next level. Mm. Additive manufacturing can be used now to cut the cost of developing things, but when are we going to reach that threshold? Or who's at that threshold of getting us closer? Because we know we're not at, we're nowhere near seconds. You can go first. So we would have to, we would have to be closer to Maybe we're getting close to 60, yeah. 60 minutes. The, and, and I mean repetitively mm-hmm. and not yeah. some gadget, not some fidget tool. There's there, there's, there, there's, the guys out there that are doing large format 3D printers. 
Okay, these guys um, and are, are they were at the show, and they were printing their office chairs and giving their chairs back to the back to the um, um, uh, the convention center. They're printing four normal human sized chairs, not midget chairs. Um, sorry. Um, They're little people. <laughs> but every like what was it? Two, like half hour. So oh, I have no idea. They printed four. I didn't. I didn't see. I think they printed four for the full. <clears throat> but like when you when you boil it down, it's 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 only right. open for like a couple hours. So yeah. Right. So so to be Edward's advocate, even in production where we get parts that are already given to us, where we take raw goods, mm -hmm. even when we're given the raw goods, there's a certain amount of scrap. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain amount of deviation in your process. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I and that's that's amazing that they were able to do something in thirty minutes. Yeah, they lost they lost one layer line. That but but that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. But what I mean is, is a chair is not as complex as a factory floor. But so that that's amazing that they can do that. But who is doing things like printing rockets? EOS. Yeah, no, there was you know a lot I mean? of people there. EOS. No, but I'm saying like, yeah. EOS is not printing a rocket at a certain amount of time. No, they're printing the rocket engines. I'm comparing a rocket to manufacturing. So here, here's the thing. For 3D printing to become, for additive manufacturing to become on the same, to, to get the same footing mm -hmm. as plastic injection molding, it has to be viable and economic. So you're plastic mold injecting in your rockets? No, I'm just saying. Just I'm, giving, I'm saying manufacturing. Okay. I just use that because that is the pinnacle of what we're at at 3D printing. It's printing rockets. Mm -hmm. that, that's one of the pinnacles. That's that's the thing that's mm -hmm. going into space. space not all, a lot of stuff all of the stress space. that you're going yeah. through to get into space. That's 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 crazy. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm, that, that's the standard. Of course, we're not trying to put cars in space. Of course, we're not trying to put. Still wanting to be safe. You know. You but I get it. But I'm saying. Maybe the example where we're printing a basketball is an example where we may be getting to a point where we're doing something that's close to the scale as plastic so, injection molding. I think I think that you've got two you're you're mixing two realms and honestly in a lot of cases you need to mix things to innovate. So I think that there's two clear branches that, that you're talking about. And when we talk about plastic injection molding, I think about yeah, there's some products that you can sell and, and, and stuff like that, but that to me doesn't go the industrial route. When I think industrial, you can't tell me well, that you're they're wrong. printing anything. Well, you're wrong there because think about it. How are most of your how are most of your uh, bumpers built? How are most of your IPs built? That that no, that's, that's the wrong thing. That's fair. No, no, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Like, but they can they can print bumpers and those things like that. You're talking about the full car. I'm talking. I can, like you can. They, there is no absolute way that you are printing like an aerospike engine, or you're making an aerospike so, engine, like printing it with fusion power powder bed fusion or right. uh, electron beam, mm -hmm. you know whatever. Uh, um, you will make that so much faster, and not just that, you're cutting out the not just the need for like 50 people to mold each piece and then re re weld and then refinish and then redo. Like it's all getting done then. And then we have another company called uh, what was it? Delight. Yeah. Delight. You put so you can go with an EOS machine and you can print full size. Yeah, it's probably going to take about eight hours. But like, how many rockets you shooting in eight hours? But the rocket I say is the pinnacle. When we're right. talking, when you're talking 3D printing, additive manufacturing, hmm. 
It has to become like we do with automobiles. But if you're making motor mounts. Well, even even that, that's automotive. It has right. to be viable. It, it has to be a viable product that is repeatable, and it will be. Yeah. I'm not saying that it won't be. I'm just saying, did we see that? No, did, I, did we see somebody that was on the scale to be able to produce 200,000 units in, in a month? So I think that the or goal... Or are we getting close to that? I think that the goal for, for most of these companies wasn't to like say, I can make 200 cars or 200 what, bananas or well, that's 200 not say cars. anything. Anything. 200 anything. Brackets or something that's... that's let's, let's do what the, it is at the point. Right now, at the point out of manufacturing is at a point where it's infantry. It's, it's an infantry. Yeah, I think so, I think brackets. I you're, you're you're definitely but close. What it is because I would disagree. Be, I'm gonna tell you why it is because it is not even close to what plastic injection molding can do on volume. Not even close. So quality, until, quantity are very different. But that's that's the market. Unless you're talking about somebody like you or Nick or somebody as a hobbyist that wants to make a thing. But if I want to run a factory mm-hmm. and I need to produce so many things and it doesn't matter what this thing looks like, it just has to have a certain amount of strength and I can cover it with something, mm-hmm. that's what that's that's the market that additive manufacturing will go to the next level. Yeah. Industrially. Yeah. Not 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 from a not from a hobbyist point of view. So what I'm asking is, is are we getting to that point where things are starting to move more to an industrial thing or are we still in the infancy where we're still developing the things to get us to that point because we know once they get it to a point where the technology is there it will be more viable it will be more efficient it will be probably more streamlined than what Mm -hmm. we're doing now because traditional manufacturing cannot compete with smart manufacturing once once it's get to where it went yeah everything needs to be smart first yeah yeah. everything needs to be smart um there's already companies with factories like half a dozen dozen factories mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they're printing, making their machines, they're using their own printers, metal parts, all of that stuff. They're opening another one, I think, in either Texas or California. Near Texas. Probably mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yep. DJI Mori does yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So those those guys are probably, I would say, <coughs> furthest along with the factories. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you there's five, six, seven, eight big factories big companies that have yeah, several yeah. factories, mm-hmm. not just US. Uh, it's I would say more so U.S. There's a little like okay. a little bit Germany, a little bit um, Italy, but w- w- I guess we didn't go to all of them. So there's a, there's probably a little bit more. But you, but I guess the um, answer was is we're moving. It seems like we're escalating we're moving in the right direction. Point. But I think I think that the the core point of like rapid isn't just trying to uh, we weren't not just everyone trying to get to like all right I need to. They were trying to pitch. I want to put my my machine in your factory, well, that's, right? That's, that's Everybody a, wants to. They want to. They want to make money off of that's that. I mean, so yeah. so that's beside the point. But that, whenever you look at it, you look at the research and and kind of all the work that a lot of them put in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, um, you know, one specific full overarching like industrialization. You got one company over here, Visitech, that's working on make it modular so you can continue adding your printers and it will modularly, it, it, you can set a rail system and it'll cure <coughs> all of them so you can pretty much make an endless assembly line. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got a couple of these companies that are working on things like that. They're, they're, but to the point is everybody's kind of working in their own direction 
where if if everything which it will everything kind of comes back around and everyone connects back and then they realize oh you made a machine that shoots that has a certain type of solution that has a tumbler and shoots electricity through to smooth my metals i have a machine that prints the metals at four times anybody else's speed we should combine we should work together mm-hmm. those are those are some of the type of things that we see or we saw i yeah. i would say and and a lot of the focus to them was um so what are you doing and how could we be of use to you mm-hmm. instead of this is how we're going to industrialize this company or this is how we're going to industrialize this this so field i'll give it to you in a way so everybody understands so the microwave original application was radar it just so happened somebody saw a side effect of what radar does and that became a microwave so additive manufacturing in the beginning was something that hey i can i can create my own parts or i can do uh research or i can design something without having to spend a great deal of money mm-hmm. and and test it before I try to take something to market or hey I just need to build something that I need to build this bracket and I don't want to pay 500 bucks for a bracket I can build for 50 cents mm-hmm. so the point is not to not to make it a this versus that the point is um, are we getting to the point where a radars microwave is now being utilized for microwaves that everybody can use in their house for less than 30 bucks that that that's the point. Is is it getting to a point? Is it is cheaper than what it was when yeah. the, the initial mm-hmm. the initial yeah um, no hundred percent entry point is a lot cheaper. But is it getting to the point that say maybe guys that do special effects and makes uh, these uh, masks or say robots or maybe puppets? Is it getting to the point where those guys can say, hey, we can use three uh, D CAD? And uh, do a lot of this stuff digitally, mm-hmm. save a lot of money because the guy doesn't have to sculpt all these things. And then maybe it's getting to a point that now engineering students are being able to do things that they couldn't do computationally. Mm-hmm. They can physically make this object, and now they're making breakthroughs to even do more things to accelerate the process right. of 3D printing. So it's not a this versus that. It's just the it's the question is is are we at that cusp? Or are we getting close to the cusp where, like, IoT? Yeah. We're not getting in IoT. Just, just yeah. We know what it does. Are we getting to that cusp where it's like, I can get this in a lot of people's hands, mm-hmm. and now I can get a lot more eyeballs on it to maybe make it the things that I'm asking about? Well, that, yeah. That's the question. So, I, do you want to you go you first? Okay. So, I mean, to me, it's already, <coughs> it's already like, cheap enough. To be in everybody, I could find you a twenty dollar. It's not gonna be a good printer, but I find you a twenty dollar printer. I can get you a hundred dollar printer, several different models, hundred dollar printer. Um, my thing is, is that like so. I I think the reason I you know argue that we're already at that point, that turning point, is mm-hmm. because I could go buy a Revo Point mm-hmm. camera, a Lazy Susan. And then spin something. They have free software with the Revo Point. I scan whatever I need. They scanned me. I didn't. I was not believing it was true. It's pretty hilarious. They got the badge. Mm-hmm. It had it had the words on my badge on there too. So all I'm saying is, is I feel like we're at that point to where I you you come to me as a uh, a customer and I am a maker, okay. And you say I need this thing, and I'm like, okay. Do you have an example of? quote-unquote thing, they bring it to me, I scan it, 
And then you put it in your CAD if you need to, like if it's broken, you need you to know, reattach I, it. I, but I like, think I agree with, with that point. I, yeah. I think that that's not like a, for me, that, that's been there. Yeah. It's just the way that it was produced wasn't there. But, so, so like imaging, I, yeah. imaging technology has been well advanced for a long oh, yeah. time. The software that we're using has been well advanced for a long time. Um, the entry point is now, like you said, yeah. a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Maybe it could be even on demand. They can, you can send whatever to them. Point, yeah. They do whatever to make the STL. Yeah. Yeah. They send it to your PC via the cloud. Yeah. Bam, you print it. Yeah. It's so, so I guess from I guess from Nick's point of view, before you start, <laughs> I'm just saying, what made what made you tingle when you saw it? What technology you saw made you say, "Ooh, uh, that that's that's dangerous. That that could be a thing." It is. It's there's more than one thing. <clears throat> some of it is, you know, sustainability. That's some of the guys are making their filaments out of. Sustainable fashions. It's freaking awesome, right? They're recycling filamentum. Filaments. Not yeah, filamentum. Yeah. Um X was doing it as well. Mm -hmm. With their printer with their <coughs> um recycled materials that they're that they were making things with. But also, um some of the other people were saying, if you have a constant flow of powder, you know, you don't you can print all day long. You won't lose that very much, very much powder, using the 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 um. Uh, There's your industrial uptime. The the, the the what is it? The laser centering. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from I think it was Formbot. No, no, not Formbot. That we were talking to. Um. I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of them did metal printing. Formlab does it. Formlabs. Uh, that's Mark what we're always talking about. Yeah. Mark Forge does yeah. it. Yeah. Well, we 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 we've known for a couple of years. Yeah. That, that the the metals. Training part but of it is memorial. The one, the one thing that kind of kind of gets me also that. is these industrial printers have gotten to the price point that every company can have one in their office. Rapid prototyping is here. Yep. And the okay. one thing that, you know, kind of, you know, made me kind of geek out is EOS. EOS are the guys that helped build the, or print the basketball. They help print that. However, when you look in the corner of their booth, and there's a full-blown Aero Spike rocket engine sitting there that came off of one of their machines, mm -hmm. and it is absolutely perfect. That kind of makes you, whew, okay, I'm and, interested. And I do see that that portion of it, that far as like the rockets, I, 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 I really see that that cost saving that they can have with doing 3D printing that's it's probably going to allow them to go further in the space exploration than they ever were able to do in the past. I, I think that I think that is is at the cusp, past the cusp, and I think I would I would be I'm afraid of what they could do in five years. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, EOS was was one of my favorites yeah. too because like they it wasn't just. You know the airless basketball that they yeah. coupled with Wilson to make and, and a few others. It wasn't it wasn't just the aero spike that they you know they used to print uh, for any of these rockets. The hockey helmets. The I yeah the hockey helmets the the cushions in your helmets the shin pads, wrist braces, bike pedals, bike seats like it it's 
the applications are almost endless because they're they're not just working with the material as well. They're working with the lattice or the the um, the different the company. like the well no no general lattice is a company they work okay. with. Yeah. But I'm talking about the the way that um, force moves through um, you know an object. Okay. So if you have a lattice, it's it's a bunch of di ways that it's kind of getting deflected. Let's say mm -hmm. it kind of takes that energy and and, and disperses oh, it a little bit better, as opposed to if it was a solid piece, you'd hit it and you'd feel the whole solid piece. Yeah, push yeah, yeah, I got you. So I mean, honestly, like the things that they were doing, um, they also had the booth with the bird, the yeah. that looked like an eagle, that yeah. Swedish. Was Miles per hour, yeah, or something like that. That thing looked like a bird. I don't yeah. know which. If you if you showed told me that all the birds outside were that, yeah, I would be like, oh yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't tell the difference. Now, like I said, I, I I do believe when we start talking about companies like EOS, you know, the, those guys have a track record with companies that are going out off of this planet. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 no. Mm -hmm. It should be no surprise to anybody that these guys are innovating. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it should be, it, you know, but it, I want I want to throw you just to keep you on the path you was going. So you you was talking about sustainability. I think that's a big, big plus if we can go that path with with additive manufacturing. Yeah, that the recycling is there. The the want or desire to print with recycled materials is getting there. It's like, and the thing is, is when it comes to recycled materials, price also drops on printers. Because some of the filming companies were making, like, recycled filament for the straight assist machines. So your, your barrier to entry to keep those machines fed is now decreased. For example, the straight assist uh, J35 is $50,000. <clears> Easily able to get in any company out there right now to get, you know, at least some FDM because they're the ones who, who trademarked it, FEM-based mm. um, printing done on campus. If they if they want to print a banana, which that's what they printed out of the J35 when we were there. It's pretty impressive. It looked like I thought it was a real banana. So, so do you think that just as we did with laser jet printers and printers in general, the printer would be, you know, very affordable? Oh yeah, but it's getting but, there. You know, the the ink is the thing that's the the I think I think we got a reverse. Do, do, do we do we think that we'll have the same pattern? I think it's gonna be a reverse, where your printers. I mean, it depends on your, what material. Yeah, you're really. Because um, like you know, some of your high end printers, your HP printers, your straight assist machines, the IBM machines, the ones from Nikon were there. Um, Nikon's not getting into the printer business, by the way. Um, makes sense because they're smarter than Canon. Right, but Canon um, probably got one. They just didn't get the invite to. Well, yeah. right. To wrap well, it. <laughs> go real quick. Canon, Canon could have had the uh, digital camera. They decided that they didn't want to have that. Somebody else got it, and Canon film business went out of business. So yeah. let's keep going. So, but the thing is, is I really think that we're gonna have. It's gonna it's gonna be a good fight because I think right now printers are staying high, so printer prices are staying. At a at a at an elevated level because of issue of not of issues but of resources, so you're talking you know 483 phase compressed air, that type of stuff for these bigger machines or 48 volt, you know 120 volt you know type of industrial power. Um, however, your filament is dropping, 
so your filament cost, your cost of barrier of entry for in for like industrial manufacturing filaments has dropped. So filament will essentially become copper copier paper. Right. Yeah. And I think right and they they have filament now that's the one point seven five millimeter filament yeah. that we saw saw at the show that has metal flake in it that you know you can actually turn out metal parts with it as long as it goes through a sintering process. So but you can print that on a regular ender. So you know, but the thing is, is then you have the guys who are printing in impact-resistant resins mm -hmm. that are, you know, making waves now. So, so the one that we're doing the hammer, or yeah, okay, to make a hammer that you can beat in a nail and it will drive a nail in. Um, so you got those guys. The thing is, is those guys they they make your their their resins and their films and stuff like that cheap enough to be purchasable. And then they know that they can put them on cheaper, lower-end printers for them to work. However, the bigger guys are finally seeing that, oh, I need to start dropping my prices just as much. So you have MakerBot. You have um, um, uh, all these other companies who are big making desktop printers cheaper. They're dropping their prices. So you, you do, got, do you think desktop is the future, or do we think that something's a little bit bigger than desktop is the future? I, I think for manufacturing. I, I think this, I think the size of a copy printer is going to be right about the the the, the, the norm yeah. for small parts production. For large parts production, you have these printers that are printing using KUKA and ABB robots and stuff like that inside their own enclosures. So you have cells. You have 3D print cells. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. And like one of them was from Italy. They were printing the rear mass section on site and then gel coating them at another adjacent facility to be put on yachts that they were building. Caracol. Caracol. So, so I'm just trying to go with you, trying to keep it fluid. So I think if we're making carbon fiber panels for cars, which is a, which is a really... You know, intense process, and it's it's not a simple process. Mm -hmm. And if you have a defect, it's very costly. Right. I could see one day that we could three D print some of these panels in that carbon fiber. Yeah. And probably do it faster than a person making this individual. Yeah. And and, and repeatable. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, they're printing the materials that are a little bit more durable. They're they're infusing carbon fiber in it to make it you know twice as durable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, like uh, you, you kind of talked about it. What what kind of like got your like kind of got your gears going or made you like happy to go see or excited to go see? There was there was a couple places. I I for one am a sucker for a show, um, and <laughs> if you add physics to that. I'm gonna watch. Nerd out. I want to see what you're doing. Like, what, what are you doing with that thing? So, Polyspectra had. I nerded up there too. Very simple, very simple science experiments. Like basic, you know. They printed out some things in their core bio, and then they said, "Hey, watch this. Got a tea kettle, electric tea kettle. Put it in there, filled it with water. Put all their prints in there, and hit boil. And then they started talking to you. And like 30 seconds to a minute later, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, that's been boiling the whole time. And you look at it, and none of the prints have deformed. Nothing's changed. So talking heat resistance mm -hmm. there's your heat resistance right mm -hmm. they've got something they had something else i can't I, i'm i'm not going to get the name right I, I don't know what the second uh resin was made out of but it's supposed to be more durable so they had a quote-unquote generic the bio uh, 
Is it bio? They're bio. They're bio. They're bio, like bio black, bio green, and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it was bio green that they put into the into the uh, kettle. Yeah. Um, that's bio green. And then the other one was like yellow that, that we were using. But that's beside the point. Um, the key the key thing here is is they had a they had a test to test the um, was it tensile strength. Tensile strength. So they're pulling in in one axis, one direction. Yeah. I know, and I know it's just a wishbone. That's it. Yeah. I know so they showed it and it tripled. It tripled the amount of force needed, the, the strength, the you know pounds to uh, tension it could take before mm. it snapped. The bridge test it was about double, but mm. it's 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 crazy how much that showed you. And they had a whole bunch of things, that, and they would talk to you about all their exhibits. And they didn't have the biggest booth, but it it was something that you know really ten by ten. But I but, enjoyed. Yeah. But the thing with those things that that's what we were talking about when we're when we're talking being able to be on the cusp or being innovative mm -hmm. really we we know additive manufacturing yeah already is surpassed anything we've had in the past yeah you know but every technology has to have a before the, before the big guys dump all of the money into it before the governments dump all of the money into it and make it into hey this is part of that 4.0, you know, industrial mm -hmm. 4.0. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, we want to incorporate all these things because this is going to make tomorrow's factory more yep. efficient. This is going to make tomorrow's uh, engineer, you know, more more efficient mm -hmm. and so forth. So, with saying that, and just sticking with what you're saying, was anybody doing anything for like, so, you know, most burn victims, they have to take skin from somewhere off their body to yep. graft it. Was anybody doing anything organic? Uh, there was the skull uh, replacement, remember? The what now? The skull replacement that we saw. It's like a mesh. Oh, that, but that's less so. Less so. But they, but they are doing some organic. They're they're moving yeah. away. Na yeah, nano dimensions. Nano the, dimension. Like there's a lot of the, the resin printers companies. They make they um they make a lot of pieces that are because they're small enough to fit in like let's say for for your mouth or anything oral like you need a a tooth cap or, or mm, something mm, like mm. that. You need maybe a mold of your your lower jaw for the doctor to show you. They'll scan those things and do it that way. Mm. Um, uh, to me. They were one of the main companies. I think that um, the the name escapes me, but there was another company that was doing like dental prints as well. Mm. But it, so it seems like that mm -hmm. there is a core, like like a niche group of printers, mostly resin, that are you know going into the medical field. But that's but I like where you're headed because like we're thinking. A lot of the things were there were thinking big. We had to might make my print big or, or, or big. Only very few were like, how do I make this smaller? Yeah. Like, how do I make a KUKA arm robot with a printer head mm -hmm. fit in a classroom so I can show these kids how it works? Or how, how can I get... Yeah, exactly. How can I get this um, small... Maybe it's a... I hate saying the word nanobot or something like that. Nanobot mm -hmm. or something. Because it's not, but we, it's we not know, to that extent. We know one day... Yeah. Then yeah. If we're printing at at the macro level, eventually we will get to micro and nano and even smaller. And, but yeah, I think that that's what, where it's going. Because yeah, and the, Formbots came up with the one that where it's smaller, a, a, a skull replacement. Yeah. Like somebody had like a crushed skull or something mm -hmm. like that. They have a print that they would print and it would actually go, it, would, it was a resin that was bioabsorbable that would sit okay. into the cranial cavity. Mm. So I guess another thing to, to, to bounce off you a little bit, Nick. So, 
I know I've seen where people have 3D printed limbs that have been lost. Um, did you see any of that type of technology for prosthetics or I anything? I saw mostly braces. Yeah, braces. mostly bracing. So mostly yeah. just like ergonomics and stuff instead of thinking about like full... I mean, there are people doing prosthetics, but in that sense, like, I don't know if they'd be the ones coming to this convention unless their right. prosthetics are like a different... like. I'm giving you instead of a standard arm, I give you an arm with a second joint so that you can well, work with that. You know, actually, that's what I, I would expect. I've seen one guy on the uh, on YouTube that actually printed his own prosthetic, and he was able to um, do a lot more than with the traditional mm -hmm. prosthetic. Yeah. So I guess when I say that, I'm thinking about soldiers that were wounded and lost limbs in a war, yeah. or somebody that you know maybe had some type of industrial accident. That you know, maybe they can't afford a traditional prosthetic. Mm -hmm. Can is it possible that this technology can be used to make prosthetics more oh, yeah. affordable? Oh, 100%. And no, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, if, and you know, you're touching on the human side of this. One of the best parts of this entire show was the people. The people in that show, you can tell, one were having fun. Nobody you talked to about their product were they really not having fun. You know, so a lot of a lot of people would tell you, we don't only do this because we still enjoy it. You know, you didn't have anybody sitting there like, oh, I hate my job. You know, they want to talk to you. They want to have fun with it. <clears throat> they want to know what you're working with. We told them about the podcast that we're doing here. They told them about our mission of hopefully getting a printer in every single classroom to increase STEM education. Okay, we're in. Let's have a conversation. So, the the, the people is of the, from the show makes the show. You know, it's it's the you know the company that you're in, and the company that you're in inside that place is absolutely you know bar none, probably some of the the most interesting people you ever meet, and some of the guys you talk to, you're like, wow, okay, this guy's really smart, and I can't even touch what kind of this guy. Yeah, you know, I I was told by old an old guy or old man one time, if you do what you love, it's not a job. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know if if some if you're doing something that is passionate to you. Then it's, it's it's not work. Yeah. And if you truly want to make things better, because for me, additive manufacturing has the potential to make mankind better. Oh, it's the future. You know, I mean, I, I think even it is the future, but beyond just the future, like it's not like jewels. It, it it's, it's it's not like Star Wars or Star Trek. It's mm -hmm. it's like I am able to take a person in India. That maybe has the income of, you know, maybe fifty dollars a month for mm -hmm. their whole family, but you have a kid that's really good with mathematics, or you have a kid that's really good with mechanics, and that kid can take uh, a 3D printer and just go inside of his head and bring out creations, and then that creation can be something that can better the country. You know, that, that, that's what I see additive manufacturing mm -hmm. is. It's, it's an opportunity. It's a canvas. I think additive manufacturing is the ultimate canvas. Right. And the thing is, is we also saw a lot of desktop stuff, like user gear, right? So we've been focusing a lot on, you know, and I know we're going to go a little bit over time, so this, we knew this was going to be a long one. Um, but we talked about, you know, a lot of, a lot of like, manufacturing equipment. We start talking about desktop printers. The desktop printers that were out there this year were some interesting equipment. I'm telling you that right now. 
And some of the stuff, some of it's they're, they're you know tertiary and secondary parts and processes were insane. You know, for example, we can start with you know the first one we talked to was Slice Engineering, and their brand of mosquito hot ends, but also the new hot end they came out with for that show. And you know, I know people heard us talk about them before, but Mosquito just released their new nozzle. Their new nozzle for Mosquito was out twenty four dollars and I think ninety five cents somewhere in there. What's the uh, alloy? Um, did they I think give it's hardened steel, if, if I'm not mistaken. It's like plutonium or something like that. Okay, it's okay. abrasion yeah. resistant, yeah. Okay. and pretty much you can beat the living heck out of it, and they'll still give you a brand new one if you can, if you can beat it. Hmm. Um, it is alloyed, so there's that. Um, however, you know those guys, you know, in their you know way of adapting to the printers, then you start getting to like um, um, Prusa, and we had to go by the Prusa booth. Had to. Because yes. of the <clears throat> XL, forehead XL was there, and I, I think that John would probably be the best one to. We're talking about the XL. Yeah, so, like to be honest with you, they all had desktop. Every everybody had desktop printers. The the overarching wide, you know, understanding that I saw was, if you're not using an enclosure, you're not using lidar, you're not really checking your flow. But if we're talking about Prusa. Um, they did. They did something I didn't see anywhere else. Um, they took your hot, your hot bed or your heat bed, and they split it up into quadrants or sections or squares or whatever you want to call it. I remember hearing so, that somewhere. Yeah, we, we talked about that for a little bit, but, <laughs> but they took and split it up so that they they don't have it, this deals with the issue the issue of the bed warping in the center uh, because you're only attached on the corner, so you might as well just print on one side so it doesn't warp everything. You don't have to even heat the whole print bed now you can only you only have to heat the spot that you're printing in so that in and of itself is you know a wonderful innovation i would want to have on any of my printers but the uh, xl didn't stop there it has a bowden tube system in the mm -hmm. back with a quick exchange hot ends that it does on its own um it you know will be printing one piece and it wants to change the color it'll go to the back you can see all of the hot ends there's probably six i think was the total you'll see all of them pop green it puts that one back, one of them will pop blue, and then that tell, that's telling you visually that the hot end is going to disengage the current one and go to the one that's blue it indicated. And then it does a purge block or whatever, gets, mm. the, heat, gets the print hot enough, the, the, the uh, filament hot enough, and then it keeps going. That right there solves, solves a lot of issues with changing yeah. filament and it fills up, fits up to five or six. So, yeah. so and, how has the, uh, the, the filament um, changed? What do you mean change? Oh, so it's, it's preloaded. It's, it's preloaded. So is it, is it, I guess what I'm asking is, it, so the hot end, I'm trying to get it in my head. Has an extruder and it's, a hot end on it, on each one. So yeah. when I have the different color, is it different color filament? Yeah, loaded in each one. So is that a pellet or? No, it's it's it's, it's, it's 1.75. So it's a Bowden tube. It's just the spool, spool of. Yeah, spool. So where's the stand? I guess what I'm, I can't picture, where's the spool? In the back. Oh, no, no, no. There's, it's on the sides and on the back. They, yeah, there's... Oh, okay. It's okay. like a square. I got, you, I got you now. Yeah. I got you now. I see. Now, yeah. and the th thing is, is once you, like, you go from there and you go to talk to Creality. Yeah. You know, Creality, you got the K1 out there right now. That K1 yeah. is... That K1, what is it, K1 Micro? Um, I think is, they got a couple K1s. A couple is insane, ones. you know? And it was running like a, you know, hate to say it, bad out of hell. You yeah, know? They, they really push speed, and they're using lidar, and yeah. they're they're doing you know they're putting Bamboo Labs X1 carbon up, you know, putting a challenge to them. Mm -hmm. I'm, to be honest with you, if you put those two next to each other, 
I it'd be t- difficult for me to pick a, dif- a difference between the two. But and then they also had one of their largest scale printers sitting there that they had a pellet yep. extruder loaded on. Okay, so let me stop both of you there. Now I want both of you to chime in. So it sounds like both Creality and Prusa really didn't do anything different with using multiple filaments. I mean, they have the MMU, but yeah. no, 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 what do you no, mean? Just follow me. They didn't do anything different with... They basically took the same concept as bamboo. But the thing that Prusa did different, they changed the way we heat the bed mm-hmm. because of warping issues, and mm-hmm. then it's more efficient. You know, maybe I can have four quadrants and print in different quadrants and so forth. But it sounds like Creality... Went opposite of a filament on a spool to pellets. No, only on one of their large scales. But 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 that's a difference. That's a, that's a change from what we've normally seen from these two companies. That those are innovations. So I guess mm-hmm. what I'm saying is they are innovating. They're not just copying yeah. bamboo. The the one thing I will say is if anything, bamboo is copying everyone else. First, well, yeah. I mean, but bamboo was the first to put whatever to market with multiple blah blah blah. Yeah, the MMU, MMUs have been around well before X1 Carbon came out. So I'm Yes, to... but Bamboo was the first I saw to do it as efficient as they did. Uh, yeah, okay. So, so I'm saying it seems like they took some of the things that Bamboo did yeah. and said, hey, I want to incorporate that in my own way. Then, and then, know. hey, I'm, I'm going to innovate by doing some things with this, the bed, and I'm going to innovate by doing some things with the pellets. Because I do think the pellets is a game changer. The only, the only issue with that is they're both running uh, cloud-based. Um, and no one likes that right now. Um, there's been a, big, a lot of pushback because of cloud-based printers and stuff like that that people aren't liking um, due to sec- possible security risks and stuff like that. So we, work, we, we, we had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about the cybersecurity side of the house when it comes mm-hmm. down to their printers and stuff like that. And that's why some people, they still give the option to put a micro, an SD card in it and call good. Yeah. You know, where you control the process from point A to point B. Which is, is if we're talking desktop, that's a good, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking upscaling and I want to go to a manufacturing process, we, we know that in the future, whenever we can get these things as secure as we can get them, mm-hmm. which is going to be terribly difficult because of just the nature of being something not being on the site. Yeah. We, we use SAS at our company, you know, but I think that's not a bad idea, but it's probably not ideal for, you know, the consumer market at, this, at the moment. You can give me a free entry in your Wi-Fi. I'll burn your house hey, down with hey, it. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you mean? Don't, don't do that. And it's probably not wise for yeah. most people that are getting into yeah. 3D printing and do not understand how to secure their network. Yeah. For example, if you use, we're not talking about IoT, but IoT, one of the biggest complaints is security. Mm-hmm. No, that's the, that's the truth. I mean, that's in the IoT realm, it's it is a big worry. Yeah. You connect everything to the internet. What happens if someone else has my internet connection? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the printer. I've been printing all day, and I'm printing a specialized, you know, product or printer or, or yeah. uh, you know, IP of any sort, and you see it. You got my G code. You got my file. That's that's not that's not what any company wants, but right. yeah, I mean, I I will say that uh, cybersecurity kind of took a back seat, sadly, to a lot of things there. I mean, yeah. everybody wants to make faster, make more, right. make bigger, better. 
not safer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or, the conversations were definitely there, yeah. but the action wasn't. Yeah, but we know that that's that's a big concern for right. everything today because everything is connected. Yeah. Um, I I will say this, like the the point I was making earlier, and I know we're getting long, so I'm, I'm gonna wrap this up really quick. The point that I'm making is in the past we saw all that the desktop innovators were doing was copying each other and making mm-hmm. their own. It seems to me they're taking some things that are good from one um, platform and expanding on it, making it better. So it seems like we're 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 do, having competition, which is making everybody elevate their game, mm-hmm. which is giving us new innovations because we did not have a multi-heated um, um, platform before. Yeah. We we were not mainstream using pellets, mm. so that tells me that the competition is good. Yeah, it's getting there. Amongst those two companies. Yeah. And, you know. But that's good now. I I guess, you know, for me, for my side, I think that we've pretty much covered. You're going to have to cut us off. We're going to. Everything. Because we can go all night. Um, This this was definitely going to be over an hour. Um, We're close to it. um, So, sorry. But, you know, the thing is, is we want to give you all the information. You know, definitely we could probably do a second episode on it too if we really wanted to. Um, you know, we'll have that conversation here offline here in a minute. But, you know, I just want to say thank you. Everybody who's listening, you know, this rapid event wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for y'all. And also, um, you know, thank you for going out there and, you know, listening to the Ulindo podcast and looking at and checking them out, helping them out. So, you know, I want to say thank you and, uh, y'all have a good night. I'm going to turn to the other two. I just like to say is, uh, you know, good to be back. Uh, had some things going on. Those things have uh, settled down a little bit, so I should be uh, more frequent now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the guy that rattles the cage. You know, that that makes these guys think and uh, get them to, you know, give a little pushback, and that's always good. Uh, so, and I appreciate uh, everybody giving me the opportunity and us the opportunity to, uh, you know, have an audience with you guys. Yeah, I always echo what you know both of these guys say. I'm always appreciative. Thanks to you know everyone listening. Thanks to you know anyone interested. Um, stay tuned to to if you haven't heard the Ulendo um, episode, you should hear it. Go check out their website. Check out the the white paper. Um, it's it's very it's very inspiring seeing what they did and cutting the time of your print while minimizing your vibration. Um, we plan on having a lot of those company spotlights. Uh, with with many of the other companies, not even just if they were at Rapid, it'd be nice if you know we were able to have some type of uh, you know visual of of a product or, or anything like that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, so if anybody else is interested in doing a company spotlight, please reach out. Um, we'll add you to our our list and we'll begin you know those processes and kind of start that conversation. But uh, you know, as always, thank you and stay tuned. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.